Welcome to Salary Capped, presented by MarketScale, where we explore the intersection of business and sports. I'm Tyler Kern, and each week we'll chat with the leaders, marketers, and inventors that are powering sports into the future. As stadiums have gotten larger and grander, there's been a bigger emphasis on how to minimize the environmental impact on the local ecosystem. As sports implement a plan to resume play this summer and fall, what will the new sustainability look like in sports? I spoke with Kristen Fulmer of Recipric on how her firm is currently fielding research for their sustainable reopening and operational resiliency strategy to effectively guide professional sports organizations on reopening facilities not only safely but sustainably after COVID-19. Hey everyone, joining me now on Salary Capped is Kristen Fulmer. She's the founder of Recipric. Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. I am as well. Um, So Kristen, just to start off, let's talk a little bit about what Recipric does and the kind of work that you do. So just kind of give me some background there on uh, on what your company does. Yeah, sure. Uh, So at at the highest level, uh, Recipric's mission is to redefine home field advantage. And so in, in the sports world, uh, I think we, we all kind of can picture what that means. Um, you know, what makes you proud as a fan to, to be able to go to the stadium? What makes athletes feel really empowered um, to make their home team proud? Um, and, you know, in that redefining it, it's, it's all of these new elements of what are these new kind of sensory experiences and, and community experiences that really make uh, fans proud, um, their community proud, and also, you know, athletes feel really good um, about playing at home. Um, and so practically, uh, that, that looks like on the ground um, community engagement efforts, social equity uh, efforts, and, and really plugging in experts that are able to do things for um, the environment, uh, for, for social good, um, and for community good um, to teams that can really bring platform to, to that work. That's really interesting and, and some fascinating work that you're doing. And um, while I was reading around on Reciproc's website earlier uh, and, and went to the Home Field Advantage page, you had a picture of Borussia Dortmund, which is a German soccer team. Uh, you had a picture of their their kind of their their stadium atmosphere, which they're known for having one of the best home field advantages in European soccer. Um, but one of the things that we've seen in the Bundesliga over in Germany since it restarted was that home teams have struggled a little bit, which almost kind of lends some credence to the fact that having that that crowd atmosphere and having that community aspect of everybody in a stadium kind of with one collective goal, there is some value in that, right? And so you've almost seen evidence of this uh, just since sports have come back uh, during the COVID-19 crisis? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's all of these newfound ways to engage with community and and really kind of create that home field advantage now because of uh, COVID-19. And and some of it is in the stadium and some of it isn't. Um, I think some of the best, I mean, you brought up uh, soccer in Europe. There's there's some great teams doing really powerful um, efforts to engage their community and fans or even people that aren't fans um, to, you know, to really empower them and just help them during this time, which ultimately kind of creates that, that home field advantage, if you want to say, um, in, in all of these new and and interesting ways. So, um, I think the, the COVID-19 crisis has shown teams, you know, really how much purpose they have within communities, um, aside from just kind of the rudimentary, I'm proud to be watching, uh, my favorite team play on Mm -hmm. this field at home. 
Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So in a lot of ways, COVID-19 has been challenging for teams, right? But in another sense, it has provided maybe an opportunity to hit a reset button and, and a lot of things that they do and a lot of their operations. So when you are working with teams and when you're talking to them, what are some areas that teams can be thinking through and maybe readjusting when it comes to their operations to improve their efficiency and improve the ways that they are working within their communities during this time? Yeah, well, I think you know, as, as kind of a, a sustainability expert uh, or professional, I should say, um, I, I think a lot about the environmental implications of, of things that are happening right now. And it's really hard to be honest to see a lot of things that are happening um, and not think about all of the risks associated with them. Um, and you, you see so many stories out there right now about, oh, look at how great the, you know, the dolphins are thriving and, and how clean the air is because of, of COVID-19. Look at how great of a story that tells. Um, but I, you know, as just a general sustainability professional, I'm really kind of fearful for when we plug humans back into the world uh, and, and restart and say, okay, um, you know, what is really going to happen? What are we really going to, are we going to get in our cars more instead of taking the subway that's, you know, relevant to me here in New York, but to a lot of people in terms of public transportation, or um, how do I feel about using a public water fountain? Uh, or, you know, do I really want to um, buy food at, at the stadium, let's say bring it to sports, um, when someone else just touched it and handed it to me. Um, and so all of these kind of new environmental risks that um, had actually, you know, had a lot of I, you know, had just been moved forward a lot in recent years because of a lot of really great sustainability efforts in sports. Um, you know, there's, there's a huge risk of them kind of being put to the, the back burner. Um, and so right now, you know, there's this hiatus happening in sports, um, this kind of reset moment, as, as you called it. Um, and, you know, teams are thinking about, you know, really the, the bottom line, you know, where can we cut costs? and be more efficient. Um, and I think sustainability a lot of times is really about efficiency. Um, so, you know, how can we use this space better um, that we weren't using before? How can we um, kind of, you know, double dip on a material that we were only using for, for one purpose before? Um, teams did a great job of, you know, repurposing, repurposing their stadium uh, to respond to COVID. Um, and I think, you know, that can continue to be done is thinking of new ways um, to use resources that they have um, to do new things. And so um, practically, there are actually a ton of opportunities uh, to address a lot of these risks. And they start at, at different points. Um, I've actually been working with a group of, uh, you know, kind of a collaborative that we've created of, of sustainable sport professionals. Um, and we've been putting out uh, reports to address a lot of these opportunities, trying to keep it um, kind of, you know, more positive to address all of these risks. And so uh, the recent release um, this past week was about transportation. Um, and so, you know, in, in just kind of addressing the immediate concern that everyone is going to want to drive to games now, or if they can't, then they just won't go, um, is, is it something that teams could address now. So what are ways that we can actually incentivize um, people when it's safe to come back to stadiums to take public transportation? How can we integrate a public transportation ticket into the ticket sale, um, especially as we move towards digital when we aren't going to want to exchange paper tickets anymore? We have this kind of 
you know, genius machine at our fingertips that could integrate so many new uh, ways to um, really be sustainable. And then, you know, there's there's other things to, to consider as well. Uh, we in that recent release, we just uh, address even just the entry. Um, so thinking about, you know, we need to be secure when we're entering a stadium that's going to require the same, you know, pat down uh, metal detector system that we had before, but everybody's going to be wearing PPE. Uh, and so those masks and those gloves are going to have to be thrown away and continue to pull more as, you know, you let more people into the stadium. Um, mm. And so that's a, a huge waste um, implication. Uh, same thing in concessions where everybody uh, who's, who's making and serving the food will need to be wearing PPE. Um, and so right now it feels really, you know, everybody wants to just get what can be easily thrown away, easily disposed of because that has the germs. We want to get rid of it. Um, but actually, um, you know, we're seeing more and more, uh, you know, people that aren't medical workers using reusable masks. Um, and so there's, there's ways to kind of, uh, you know, think about things more in the long term, knowing, you know, this is, this might be a problem for a while. Uh, and so, you know, how do we let and, you know, make people, um, feel safe and, and be safe, but also, um, not be wasteful along the way. And there's, plenty of other examples of how to do that uh, and decision points to be, to be made. Sure. Sure. So from what you've seen and from your, your interactions with teams and with the leagues, what has traditionally maybe been some of the biggest areas of areas of waste that you've seen with these organizations and maybe how do you picture that changing in the future? Yeah. So, so you asked about, about waste. And so I think that's important because waste can be thought of, you know, physically, plastic straws or plastic cups, but also waste in terms of just things that are used and disposed of that should be. So you think about waste even being, um, you know, wasted energy or wasted water um, as, as other points um, to, to consider. Uh, I think historically, um, maybe pre-COVID physical waste, um, a lot of, you know, just disposal of food and, and packaging and wrappers uh, has been really quite well addressed in, in the sports world. Um, and I think it's because it's, you know, what people see. It's, it's right in front of you, just like, you know, COVID was hard to, to cope with because it's this invisible um, threat. Uh, it's, you know, waste is not. It's, it's right there. And we all know what a landfill looks like. And we all know what a, a trash can that's, you know, overflowing looks like. Um, and no one wants to be around that. Um, so, that's been a, a huge point of, of interest for, for teams and leagues. Um, they've set goals around it. There's actually zero waste standards um, and guidelines created for, for stadiums and venues. Um, and I think the really interesting thing is that teams do a lot that we might not even be aware of as, as fans or visitors. Um, so, so much of it is in uh, the back of house. Um, and so, you know, there's, at college stadiums, it's really common for of a group of volunteers, student volunteers usually, to be picking out recyclables in in um, trash that's been disposed of, or, or a lot of you know back end things just to to meet their their waste diversion goals. Um, and then there's more kind of front of house elements like um, reusable cups. There's there's a lot of different uh, reusable programs. Um, Our cup is is one of the bigger ones. Um, and those are really successful because they offer incentives for fans. Um, a lot of, I think that the better models 
do either a cash payback system or some kind of discounted uh, purchase for, for using the, the reusables. Um, but right now, the, the reusable world is so threatened um, by, you know, by the fear of germs, I think. Um, and, and, you know, some of that might be um, more of a misconception or just kind of a general fear. And, and some of it might truly be real. And I think, obviously, the, the biggest risk there is that we don't know um, which is which yet. Yeah, that's a that, that's a really good point, and, and I think that there, um, you know, there, there are still a lot of things that that we don't know that we're figuring things out as we go. Now, states have kind of decided to you know open things gradually and at, and at different paces, right? So uh, here in Texas, uh, Governor Greg Abbott announced recently that uh, sporting venues could open up uh, up to fifty percent capacity, and so you could be looking at as soon as the end of August when the college football season starts college football stadiums filled with 50,000 people, um, which uh, it might come as a surprise to people around uh, the rest of the country where things are opening up a little more slowly and and things along those lines. So as we look at maybe situations like what Texas is facing coming up here in the next couple of months, what is your best advice for opening um, a a venue both safely, but also sustainably during this time? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a challenging question, right? There, there's a lot of things to weigh there. Um, and I think obviously um, you can't have sustainability be a priority without safety and security as well. Um, and so I know there's been a lot of discussions of, of and you know, proposals, recommendations of ideas of, of how to do this and de-densify stadiums. Um, so maybe those, those kind of crunch points within a stadium, the ingress and egress, um, let's, let's open up you know, more entrance entrances to so that people aren't crowding. Um, but then all of a sudden that becomes a security risk. Uh, and so there's, there's so many different things to weigh and balance here. Um, but I think what's really critical is that all three of those elements are considered instead of just health and safety. Um, and so I, I, there's maybe not a direct set of recommendations quite yet of what it could look like. But I think what is really important is that each element is prioritized. So for example, um, we're opening, a good example is is cleaning, um, sanitizing, not the most glamorous topic, but something that's so critical right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the, a lot of the studies that have come out um, have said that one of the biggest elements of, of fear for, for fans coming back to stadiums is public restrooms um, and the, like how, how clean those really are. And so um, outside of the sports world in commercial real estate, maybe, for example, where they have reopened, um, a lot of companies, uh, management companies have chosen to address this by just pumping in and, and using cleaning products that smell like they're clean, um, which means they probably have bleach in them. They definitely have um, all of these additional, you know, odors and and chemicals pumped in. Um, and so that's you know kind of one example where health and safety were prioritized and and really you know combating perception, um, which is really important, making pe- people feel comfortable um, was prioritized. But something that we had actually been making a lot of progress in in recent years. Um, in terms of trying to get rid of chemicals, because we know now we have research on how bad they are for us um, and for the people who are having to go clean. Um, you know, 
all of a sudden those are kind of taking a backseat to just addressing the immediate problem um, without even, you know, just taking a moment to realize, hey, maybe those cleaning products we were using before that don't smell like this are just, are doing the job just as well. Um, and then that becomes just a communication element. Um, so, you know, it's, it's communicating to, to fans when we're opening, hey, this was cleaned, you know, four minutes ago, but also cleaned with products that are good for you and good for the environment. Um, and not just needing to walk in and knowing it, it smells clean and not being good enough. Um, it, it's just a, it's a communication piece at that point. Absolutely. Kristen, where can people find more information about the work that you're doing at Reciproc? Yeah, um, so my website is, is probably the best place, reciproc.com, um, R-E-C-I-P-R-I-C, <laughs> usually spell it out. Um, and, and so there I have a lot of information, um, not just about my work, but um, people that I'm collaborating with, brands that I'm working with, um, and other experts to help actually put what I've talked about to practice. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Kristen Fulmer, founder of Reciproc, thank you so much for joining me here today on Salary Cap. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.